All righty. So um, tonight, uh, what I would like to do is I would like to do a little bit about uh, uh, medical, uh, some medical stuff on Shabbos, uh, something which is very important in terms of uh, the principles. You know, hopefully nobody is actually going to, uh, to have to face this, but it's something which is important to, uh, to know the, uh, the principles involved. And uh, it, it's a little bit uh, uh, more relevant for me, not in terms of Shabbos, but in terms of our overall perspective and our overall attitude towards uh, maintaining a life, the care that we need to, uh, to take into, uh, into account when it comes to, uh, to somebody's uh, safety and well-being. That's, uh, let, let, let's put it uh, like that. So uh, if I could bring this up over here. So it shows up on the top over there. It says possibly life-threatening on the top of the page. Great. Yes. Okay. So we all know that uh, that uh, there's two categories, or maybe three categories, three categories of medical conditions on, uh, on Shabbos. One of them going from lowest to highest. So the lowest is what we call mechush ba'alma, is what uh, they translate as an ailment. So this is where a person has aches and pains, a person has sniffles, a person has something which is going on. It's not something which puts them into bed. It's not something which is life-threatening in any way. It's just uncomfortable. And uh, when something is just uh, simply uncomfortable, so the attitude of Chazal is tough it out. Tough it out in the sense that Chazal did not allow medical treatment in those, uh, uh, for those uh, conditions because of the fear that since in the time of Chazal, they used to have to they manufactured medicine on a uh, need basis. So if a person uh, became ill on Shabbos and needed medication, they would actually have to grind up the various herbs and whatnot in order to manufacture that medication on Shabbos. And that would involve a malacha. So Chazal said that if you don't really need it anyways, you're able to tough it out, don't take medication on Shabbos. So that's what if a person has a run-of-the-mill headache, person has a little bit of heartburn or something like that. So we say, you know what, just uh, tough it out and, uh, and don't worry about it. Have another l'chaim and you'll be fine in the morning. Then the next step up is a person who is what we call chola she'en bo sakana. So this is a person who is ill, but it's not dangerously ill. So ill in the sense, usually we describe that in uh, generally in one of two ways. Either they are ill enough that they are in bed. So a person feels is bedridden as a, as a result of their medical uh, condition. And the post can speak out, even if the person actually isn't in bed, but they should be in bed. Some people, even when they should be in bed, they go to work anyways. It used to be we would go to shul, even if we were, uh, even if we were sick. So people are willing to go ahead and tough it out. But if the truth is, is that the person should be in bed, so then that already fits into this category of cholos she'embo sakana. There's a number of leniencies which apply for a person who fits into that category. And then you have the highest category, which is person who has a, an illness. And it's an illness which the medical community recognizes is life-threatening. So this could be all sorts of uh, you know, different, uh, different types of things, uh, heart conditions and breathing conditions and stuff of that, of that sort. So that puts a person into the category of and we will allow almost anything under those conditions uh, to, uh, to be done in order to maintain a life, in order to uh, save a life, in order to extend a life. 
So these are all well known within the uh, within the discussion of medical treatment on Shabbos. But now, uh, as as all of you know, you know, experienced the halacha people on Thursday night here already. So you know that there's this huge gap that exists between what it says in Shulchan Aruch, what Chazal say, what it says in Shulchan Aruch, and then what people actually experience. So when you're looking at things from the perspective of Shulchan Aruch, so it's very easy to come up with very well-structured rules in a hierarchy and a, and a, a scaffolding of what is allowed and what's not allowed in this condition versus that condition. So we, as we just said, there's three different categories of illness. There's mechush, Easy, shmeezy, you just need to remember three different categories. The problem that we have when applying this lamaisa is very often it's hard to know whether or not a person is in category A, category B, or category C. And that's obviously very important to know which category to put the person into, because if they're category A, you're not giving them medication. If they're category B, you're giving them medication. If it's category C, you're calling 911 or you're calling Hatsala or you're driving them to the hospital yourself. So it's a major difference in terms of how you're going to handle the, uh, the, the medical uh, condition which is going on. Uh, uh, and it's essential to know which category the person falls into. And that's where a lot of the difficulty arises, Lamaisa, in terms of what do I do if I'm not certain which category the person falls into, which should I default to? Should I default to being more uh, machmir as far as Shabbos, which may mean not giving medical care? Should it be more machmir as far as the health, safety, and well-being of the person, even though that may come at the expense of Shabbos? So this is where lots of uncertainty arises. And this is why it's essential to know these principles because uh, medical emergencies on Shabbos or medical conditions which arise on Shabbos, so you will often have a hard time calling a Rav to get advice, to get guidance what to do, because many Rabbanim, believe it or not, don't answer the phone on Shabbos. That's the rabbi's day off, is, 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 is on Shabbos. So it's important to, to have gui uh, guidelines and to know what to do when you don't know what to do, to know what to do when it's uncertain which category we fall into. Okay, so with that introduction uh, in place, so we begin over here with, it's right now, it's a, just the way I pulled it up, it's source 153, but Shulchan Aruch says as follows. Uh, and this comes from, I think it was the Gemara in Yuma is where it came from, but it says, Misha Nafalav Mapolis. So somebody is in a building and the building cl collapses. Okay, now, So in this first part of the, the Shulchan Aruch over here, so we know for sure somebody was in the building and uh, let's assume for a moment, and our uncertainty is, is the person alive or, or are they dead? We don't see them right now and we shout out their name and there's no response. So the person may be alive, the person may be dead. So now this is quandary number one. If the person is alive, so then certainly you're allowed to do malacha in order to get them out and bring them to safety and provide them with whatever medical care they, they may need. In the event that the person has already passed away, the person's already deceased, so you're not allowed to do malacha for uh, somebody who's already deceased. So here you have one certainty. I don't know whether the person is alive or dead. Then, Shochanach goes on to say, or... I don't know whether the person is actually there or the person is not there. 
I know that this is where the person lives. I know that I don't know where they are. Maybe they were in the building when it collapsed. Maybe they were visiting some friends or something like that. I know of uh, Rabbanim who have, uh, you know, had the congregants that they were expecting to see Shabbos morning. The congregant, an elderly congregant, didn't show up Shabbos morning. They got worried about uh, how he was doing. And the, uh, the Rav went during davening, broke the window to the person's door, you know, turns the handle, went looking for the person. Turns out he decided to daven at a different minion. <laughs> but he was worried about his matter. He was worried about him. He didn't know whether he was there or not or what had happened uh, to him. So, uh, there was a collapsed building. He just didn't know where that person, uh, where that person was. So, obviously, if the person is there, you would go in and you would check on their safety. In the event that the person is not there, then there's no malacha to do because there's nobody to save. Then, afilu im tim then Shulchanach goes on to say, afilu im tim tzilomer shuhusham, even if we know that the person is there, Safik Akum Safik Yisrael. Let's say I don't know who was in the building, whether it was a Jew or a non-Jew, and we're not even going to uh, stand uh, uh, explore that halacha. So any of these cases of uncertainty about whether there is somebody to save or not. So in all cases, so this is an example of an uncertainty. I don't know whether I should be doing malacha now on Shabbos to save somebody or not, because maybe there's somebody to save, maybe there's nobody to save because the person is not there or the person is already dead. So in all these cases of uncertainty, so we go searching through the rubble, even if that involves a malacha, even though there are a number of uncertainties which exist as to whether this Chilo Shabbos, this uh, desecration of Shabbos, this performance of Malach on Shabbos is actually warranted. But nonetheless, as long as, it, uh, as long as there exists the possibility that there is somebody whose life there is to save, so we do Malacha uh, in order to, until we are certain that there is somebody to save or there's not somebody to save. So here, Shochanach is establishing for us this important principle that when you have a Shaila of Shab, keeping Shabbos on the one hand, maintaining the health, well-being, and, uh, and, and safety. On the other hand, we're going to go towards health, safety, and well-being, even though it's going to be at the expense of Shabbos. Okay. And uh, so that is point number one. And then we say, um, where there's Sakana Sefashos. Now here, the Mishaburah, what exactly he's referring to is not so, uh, so important for us. But what the, the Mishabura explains over here uh, along these lines, sorry, he says, Ratzalomar, what we mean to say is, let's say we're talking about where a person has a medical condition. And as we said, we're trying to decide should we treat it on Shabbos or not? Should we go to the hospital? Should we not go to the hospital? Should we call the doctor? Should we not go to the doctor? What exactly we should do? So here, Mishnah Brewer explains that in a case where a person has a medical condition and if left untreated on Shabbos, Shema, Shema means perhaps, maybe, maybe the illness will get worse. We don't know. We don't know exactly what's going to happen if we don't treat it. It's, uh, you know, four hours to the end of Shabbos. So if it's four hours to the end of Shabbos, is it essential we run to the emergency room now? Or you can wait four hours, you can go after Shabbos, right? Four hours before the end of Shabbos, if a, you know, a child falls off of the tree uh, and has a deep gash and is going to need stitches. So usually you could wait, uh, you know, four hours isn't going to make or break the, uh, the child. 
and they'll be able to close off the wound just as well, as long as you're able to keep it clean. So you'll in, in prevent infection. So there's not going to be much of a difference whether you go on Shabbos to go after Shabbos, the way medical care is nowadays, even if you were to go on Shabbos, you'll sit there for hours in the waiting room anyways on Shabbos. So nothing's actually going to, uh, to, to get done. They're not going to treat anything on Shabbos. But where there is a case that we don't know what's going to happen if we wait until, we don't know if time is of the essence or not. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe the medical condition will get worse. That's Yechabed Olav Chacholi, V'yistakeh. And the person could potentially be in danger if you were to go ahead and wait. So this is the case that we talked about, where a person has a medical condition that we know. We just don't know whether we need to treat it on Shabbos or not. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? So says Mishabura, Namishari. It's also permitted to go ahead and be Mechawal Shabbos, to desecrate Shabbos, even in that case where it's only possible that it's necessary to be Mechawal Shabbos. I don't know for sure. But being that there's a chance that if I don't do anything now on Shabbos, where I'm at now, things could get worse, and that could put the person's life in danger, you're Michal Shabbos. You don't wait, you don't play games, you go ahead and you uh, you get it addressed ASAP. V'zeu shesim haramah, and that's what the Ramah means when he says, where the, where the Ramah directs our attention from the halachas where we're at, which is Hilcha Shabbos, and he says, go ahead and look in tough reish yudches. For those who remember off the top of their head, tough reish yudches are the halachas of Yom Kippur. It's halachas of eating on Yom Kippur, the halachas related to a fasting, where that is also one of the primary sources that we have to go ahead and uh, establish parameters as to when we're going to violate halacha. I'm using that term violate loosely because it's not really a violation of halacha, but when you're not going to follow normative halacha in order to make sure that a person's health is uh, is properly attended to. So one area is shin ches, that's hilcho shabbos. Another area is tafrei shilches, yom kippur. So there also, said the Ramah says, look over there in yom kippur because we have similar principles, dechei mevur asham, that the same thing is explained over there as far as eating on Yom Kippur is concerned, that the same thing, if the doctor says, I think he may need to eat on Shabbos, but I'm not 100% on Yom Kippur, but I'm not 100% sure, maybe if he fasts, it could potentially put his life at risk, but I'm not sure one way or the other. So in such a case where the doctor says it's possible that by not eating, this person's medical condition can worsen and the person's life could be in danger, we don't play games. We say, you know what, if there's a chance that this could make, that fasting can make it worse, you don't fast, and you go ahead and you eat on Yom Kippur. And says the Mishabura, the Ramah is telling us, that the same thing is going to be true over here. Same thing is going to be true with regards to Shabbos, that a person has a medical condition, and it's possible that if left uh, unattended to, until after Shabbos, the condition could get worse. And as a result of that, the person's life would be in danger. So you don't play games and you get medical care or medical attention ASAP. Yeah? Well, okay. So now, so in this is, as, as you all know, so this idea is rooted in the principle, if we were to summarize what we've done so far. So the principle is Suffolk uh, Nefashos Lahakil that when there's an uncertainty about nefashos, about a person's health, safety, and well-being, lahakil, so we are going to go ahead and we're going to be lenient. 
we adopt a lenient approach whenever there's uh, uncertainty about uh, about life. So now the question is, and this is what we have over here in source 155 from Shomo Zalman. So how much of a suffix is a suffix? Right? Is, is it completely off the charts that a person gets a paper cut, the paper gets cut, gets infected, the infection gets into the bloodstream, and the bloodstream sends the person into sepsis? That's probably more likely than winning the mega millions. <laughs> you know, if we're going to play the percentages or something like that. So it's more likely that you could, the person will die from a paper cut or die from, uh, you know, getting their nails done than winning the, uh, the mega millions. So at what point do we say that the suffix is something which is serious enough that we have to address it? And at what point do we say that, yes, there is a chance that something could happen, but it's so far-fetched and it's so remote and it's so unlikely that it doesn't even register as a suffix. In other words, what's the definition of suffix? How much uncertainty does there have to be in order to allow for Chil Shabbos? And at what point do we say that's just crazy uh, far-fetched and there's no way that's going to happen and you don't need to worry about it at all? Okay, so this, this is one of the reasons uh, amongst many, but this is one of the reasons that we love Rav Shomel Zaman Arbach, because he is, uh, this is one of the things which, uh, which he was uh, incredibly adept at doing, is creating these parameters and defining terms for us, which are so essential to the, uh, to the halachic process. So here he, he addresses this question. He says, As far as the issue is concerned, what is considered to be a suffix, a potential threat to life, and what is not considered to be a, a, a potential th- threat to life? And, phrased differently, what's the boundary? What, what, what are the parameters over here of what is going to fall into the category of suffix pikuach nefesh, which allows for Chel Shabbos, and what's considered to be hypochondriac or OCD or some other condition where the person just out of their mind concerned about uh, maybe this, maybe that. I think I have a hangnail and it may get infected and I may die by tomorrow. You know, at what point do we say that, that that's completely crazy and that's nothing to worry about? So says Roshamo Zalman, Gam anochi bi'anyi histapakti tuva bezet. Hope this question bothers you guys. Roshamo Zalman says, you know what? This question, I was uncertain myself. I didn't know myself how to exactly decide what's considered to be what we'll call for our conversation, what's considered to be a reasonable uh, potential threat to life and what's considered to be a far-fetched concern about a threat to life. So, and now you would expect that somebody like Roshomo Zaman Arbach, who was fluent in Shas and Poskim, would say, let's start looking at the sources. Let's look at this Gemara, and this Rishon, and that Rishon, and this Shulchan Aruch, and these commentaries on Shulchan Aruch. Roshomo Zaman says, I don't have any place to look. He doesn't have a source to point to, to say, if we analyze this Gemara with these Rishonim, we're going to reach our, our, our clear definition. He doesn't have any of that. It's, it's amazing for Shomel Zalman to come along and say, I have this uncertainty about this essential definition, and I don't have sources to be able to turn to, to, uh, to be able to, uh, to guide us to create a working definition. But rather, he says, amazing, and this is also part of his greatness, the confidence he had in his analytic ability, he said, He says, all I could use is my logic. I'm going to come up with a logical definition of how to define these things or not. And that's the best thing I'm going to be able to come with. And that is as follows. And he takes the very 
common sense approach. I think we would, we would characterize it as a very common sense approach to how to define what's considered to be potentially dangerous in halacha and what is not considered to be potentially dangerous. And that is, the anytime a person has a condition that makes people nervous, literally means that people would run away from, but it's something which people will treat as a potential danger, then so this is called so certainly back in the day, and for some people even nowadays, if it gets to be a bad cough, but uh, it, at, the, at the beginning of COVID, if a person had back in, uh, you know, almost is it three years ago already? Getting close to three years. So close to three years ago, when uh, when COVID first started spreading and people had a cough and it was becoming difficult to breathe. So nobody knew what that meant, what the consequences of that uh, could be. So it was treated as, everybody treated it, not I can't say everybody, but most people treated it as a serious condition, which is potentially life-threatening. Certainly by the time we got into the middle of March and we got into April in 2020, so that's what people uh, were treating it as. So as soon as a person got a cough and they tested positive for COVID, so it was everybody who had it treated as Suffolk Pikuach Nefesh. Okay, so that tells us. And then once we know that most people are going to treat this medical condition as potentially uh, life-threatening, so we apply... That, uh, that uh, the Torah instructs us to live by the Torah and not die by the Torah. Therefore, we're going to prioritize our health and well-being. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to contact the doctor. You go to the emergency room, whatever you would need to do to go ahead and address that the condition. But in the event that a person has some sort of medical thing, that most people are not overwhelmed or afraid of, i.e., or e.g., a paper cut. So most people get a paper cut, they say, ow, that really hurts. I can't believe a paper cut hurts so much, but nobody treats it as life-threatening that I got to go to the emergency room right away in order to get the treatment because it's a paper cut and it'll hurt and it's going to be annoying, but nobody runs, runs around as if they're uh, in a panic because they, they, they have a paper cut. So now, is it could it be that the paper gut will get infected in yada, 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 yada? Yeah, it could be, but nobody treats it as such. When they get that initial paper gut, they just ignore it. So, um, you know, most times you, you cut your finger as you're, uh, you know, getting ready for Shabbos with a knife. So it's annoying. You put a, you put a bandage on it, but it's not, uh, you know, unless it's really deep or the bleeding doesn't stop. So you just treat it as it's a cut. I put a bandaid on and I'm going to move on. I got to get ready for Shabbos out of time anyways. So people don't get scared by that and they don't treat it as potentially life-threatening. So therefore, based on common perception, cutting your finger in a paper cut is not considered to be, doesn't fall into the category of Suffolk Pikuach Nefesh. So Rav Moshe says, Rav Shomel Zalman says that we're just going to take a common sense approach. What's going to fall into the category of Suffolk Pikuach Nefesh is what most people, most of the population consider to be dangerous. If most people consider it to be dangerous, so then we will go ahead and we will we will treat it as suffering pikuach nevesh. If most people disregard it and say, ah, tough it out, it won't uh, won't even leave a scar. So then you uh, then you can't. Uh, we don't treat it as suffering pikuach nevesh. And he says, He says as a good example of this, he says harkavat, which he says zrikat ababuot, which I put in there in English, vaccination against chickenpox liyeladim, right? 
Now let's say the doctor says uh, uh, that uh, you bring in uh, your, your child to the, the pediatrician. You say, doc, is it time to give uh, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Yankala to give him uh, the chickenpox vaccine? And he says, no, not until he's, I don't know, three years old. Okay, so you find out that you're not going to give the, the doctor doesn't give the vaccine till three years old. So now, do you run the first thing on his third birthday, get the first appointment on the day of, on the morning of his third birthday, birthday to get him the vaccine? Or you say, whenever the next time we're in the office, you'll give the, you'll give the shot. What, what, what's the rush? Nobody's in a rush to go ahead and get the vaccine because we don't really consider it to be a danger to not be vaccinated right away. So we don't take it that seriously. So Afagav, so even though it may be true, that there may be circumstances where it could be warranted that if there's a breakout or something like that, or the child has some pre-existing medical condition where it would be extremely important to get the vaccine as soon as possible. In the event that the doctor has some sort of special consideration why you would do so, but the bottom line is, as we all know, nobody goes rushing around and running and making themselves crazy to get their kids the, the chickenpox vaccine. And in the event that you get that notice on your uh, your uh, your app from your, uh, your, uh, your your medical insurance, whatever it is, the flu vaccine is available or the shingles vaccine is available or this vaccine or that vaccine. So we get those notices and we say, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You know, if one gets the flu, could it be dangerous? Yeah, but we still don't find people who are running so quickly to get all those vaccines because we all figure that we have time. So since perception is, is that this is not something which requires immediate attention, it doesn't fall into the category of Safik Pikuach Nefesh. And he says, therefore, now in the event, even if it were true that it would be dangerous not have that uh, vaccine, let's say the flu vaccine, where you get a notice from your doctor, from your insurance, as soon as flu season starts, that you should get the uh, the vaccine. So even in the event that in reality, it is a, a potential risk to not get the vaccine right away. But the fair, very fact that most people don't go running right away. So, so although it is dangerous, but nobody treats it as dangerous. It fits into the well-known category of Chazal of Eidna Shomer Pesayim Hashem. The Gemara says that, that although it was talking about a specific medical condition, that being that in the time of Chazal, people didn't take that medical condition seriously. So Hashem watches the fools. So that phrase, Hashem watches the fools, means that the people are behaving foolishly. In this context, it means that they're not taking their health in their well-being seriously enough. But nonetheless, since everybody's doing it, so if everybody's doing it, so Kosh Baruch Hu isn't going to allow everybody to be harmed by such a thing. So Hashem watches the fools and is going to protect everybody in a sense from themselves. And therefore, being that it's something which most people do not take seriously, well then the halacha is going to be, since the perception is it's not Safek Pikuach Nefesh, the Chalil Chal Shabbos God forbid, should somebody go ahead and be Mechal Shabbos for this? 
So you can't be Mechal Shabbos to go running to get a chicken pox vaccine, a flu vaccine, any vaccine, whatever it's going to be. We don't go running around because we don't see it as this immediate impending danger, which has to get taken care of. And if you don't do so, so it would be negligent behavior on, on your part. But but let's say you were in a place where you're going somewhere and if you don't get it taken care of, you don't get the uh, the uh, uh, the vaccine, the chickenpox vaccine, you're not going to be able to get it. I don't know what that is. So uh, so uh, so they're, they're running out of a supply or something like that. There's a, a, a delay in the, uh, the medication food chain. Whatever that is, that the, the uh, pharmacies can't get medications nowadays. So, being there, uh, th- this long period of time, a person would get nervous about not having the uh, the vaccine for such a long period of time. So then, it may very well involve pikuach nefesh, and it would it would override Shabbos. Okay, whatever that uh, whatever that case is is going to be is not uh, so relevant. But the the main thing for us over here, the main takeaway for us from this uh, tshuva of Shomel Zalman is that the definition of Safik pikuach nefesh is going to be the parameters of that the definition are going to be set based on our perception of things, the general perception of things, whether it's perceived as something which is dangerous or whether it's perceived as something which is not dangerous at all. Um, okay, and we don't need that, and we don't need that. There was one other thing. Yeah. Okay. Rabbi Schaffel? Yes. Uh, may, I understand um, these categories, I think, that uh, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman has given us, but uh, isn't there something like a category in the middle where it's not clear that there's a uh, there is a pronounced perception uh, that it is dangerous or it is not dangerous. I mean, in other words, um, I I don't mean it's uh, exactly 50-50, but if there are, what you know is some people think it's dangerous and some people don't think it's dangerous, uh, but it's not a clear majority. What is, what are we left with there? Right, so so there, so that that type of uh, scenario, Bob, uh, is discussed in Hilchos Yom Kippurim, where they talk about where there's a, where the doctors have a, a disagreement whether or not fasting would be dangerous for the person or not. In Shulchan Aruch has a bunch of sifim about one doctor versus one doctor, two doctors versus one doctor, a hundred doctors versus three doctors who are renowned experts. There's all sorts of variations of those uh, of those cases. But by and large, uh, we uh, our default is going to be that anytime there is a possibility, that meaning that there's uh, respected doctors who are saying that this is potentially life-threatening. So even if many doctors say not, it's enough to create in our minds a suffake that maybe this is life-threatening, and we would go ahead and we would tell the person to eat. Okay, thank you. So even when there's a you know a disagreement or there's different approaches to things, so that also is something which is uh, which is addressed. What about chronic conditions? You know, background chronic conditions that people have for which they must medicate every day. Uh, like people are chronically cranky. 
<laughs> no, but like um, oh, diabetes, for example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's something which uh, certainly we allow. There's, uh, you know, you know, every every person who has uh, diabetes, it would have to be treated uh, uh, differently. Uh, but, but we we allow for a lot of chel shabbos. That's going to be. Uh, oh, thank you. That's the perfect segue for me. Okay, I I, <laughs> I appreciate that. It was just perfect, Alan, as as if you were paid to to go ahead and do that. Remind me to send you a check. Okay. So here we have conditions that could become life-threatening. So it's not always a chronic condition, but there are certainly are some chronic conditions, which if you don't go ahead and take care of it in a timely manner, it could become life-threatening. Diabetes would be a good example of that. If a person isn't testing their blood sugar to figure out how much insulin they need or whatnot, so then that's something which is uh, potentially life-threatening. You'd be surprised if you don't know already firsthand that, uh, you know, how much, Again, quote unquote, Chil Shabbos uh, takes place with somebody who has, I think it's the type two, I don't remember which one, but has the more serious kind of diabetes where they're constantly type one, type one diabetes, where they're constantly checking their uh, their blood sugar, they're, uh, they're drawing blood, they're testing it, and then they're figuring out, they're giving themselves injections. So those are things which all three of those involve pretty serious malachas on Shabbos. But we allow it as a, almost a matter of course, because we understand that not being mindful of that is something which is, uh, you know, very dangerous. You know, it's a, it could be a big risk. Okay, so what do we do with that? So here what we have is, you see the heading says, conditions that could become life-threatening. So here we're talking about things which right now we know that there is an existing medical condition. The person has something which uh, we know they were already diagnosed with it. It's something which is, it's not a secret. It's not something which uh, just happened uh, suddenly on Shabbos. Uh, It's more or less under control. But if a person doesn't take their medication regularly, if the person doesn't do whatever they need to do, so it's something which could become life-threatening. So here, Rav Moshe says, Roshi has two tshuvas about this. And he says, and the first one, this is an Arachayim Chela Gimel Simen Samotas. Let's say the person has, it's, it's Shabbos now, the person has a medical condition, and if left untreated, it may, the danger for not treating this condition won't be manifest until Sunday. So the person's life won't be in danger. There won't be a risk to their life now on Shabbos. That risk won't happen until tomorrow. So can I be Michal Shabbos today? in order to prevent a potential risk to my life tomorrow? That's the question that Rav Moshe is, is addressing. So in the event that we're talking about a case where if we wait until tomorrow, treating this by tomorrow may already be too late. So right now it's not dangerous. But if I wait until tomorrow, it may be too late. So Moshe says it's clear. Even though tomorrow is a weekday, where there's no restriction against Malacha, and today is Shabbos, where there is in a Lechatchila uh, setting a restriction against doing Malacha, still you'll be allowed to go ahead and do it on Shabbos. Even though in the moment there is no danger. So right now the condition has not. uh, gotten out of control to allow you to do malacha now because of the potential risk in the moment, but we know that left unchecked or left unattended to, 
it will get worse and will become something which is a sakana. So Rav Moshe says it's clear you're allowed to treat it on Shabbos already. Being that, all uh, medical uh, indicators point to the fact that if you don't treat it today, by tomorrow it's going to be something which is potentially life-threatening. Right, a person's uh, you know uh, heart starts beating quickly and they can't get it under control. So a couple of hours of a fast heartbeat for many people that's not going to be dangerous now. But if that continues for 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, or something like that, so that will catch up with you, and that's something which could be very dangerous by the time you go ahead and you uh, you treat it later on. So right now the person's just a little bit uncomfortable. But if we know what it is and we know where the where, where it would be headed, or it could possibly be headed, Rabosha says we go ahead and treat it right away. This uh, and certainly when there's an uncertainty that if you wait until tomorrow, you may not be able to treat it altogether. Certainly you're going to go ahead and you're going to treat it right away, right uh, right now. And then, so that is point number one. So the condition which is not life-threatening in the moment, but left unattended to and unchecked could get worse. And by tomorrow, it will uh, it may get out of control and it may be too late. So that, Rav Moshe says, certainly you're allowed to go ahead and treat on Shabbos, even though right now in the moment, the person isn't feeling anything more than just a discomfort. Now, in a second tshuva, and we'll try and go through this uh, quickly. So here we have, this is uh, from the same thing, or Chaim Chel Gimel, but this time it's Simon Sadi Aleph. He says, Somebody who is ill, somebody has a medical condition, right now the condition does not put their life in danger. It's not a threat to their well-being. But there is a potential that this condition could lead to another condition, which actually would be dangerous. Right? Sometimes the person has a condition, and if left unchecked, I don't know, they, uh, they, uh, you, know, uh, you could have an elderly person who has a flu, and if you don't treat the flu, that could easily lead to pneumonia. Now, pneumonia certainly is a dangerous uh, uh, condition. The flu may also be. But one thing could lead to another. So in a case where we, the person already has that first condition, which it's not outrageous to, uh, to, uh, to be concerned that maybe this will morph into another condition, which certainly is more dangerous. So can a person take a medication on Yom Kippur without water? It's not even with water over here, but can a person take a medication, can they take a pill in order to address their current non-life-threatening condition to make sure that their current non-life-threatening condition doesn't become something worse, which would potentially then be life-threatening? So uh, the... the, um... The, the CRC takes the position, at least we, with regard to Pesach, that that any pill that you swallow whole and is not chewable is not considered food at all. Um, that they, they they say that that for those kind of pills you don't even have to check whether it has chametz in it. Right. So we're going to see so, part, one of the one of the sources where they got that from. Well, how do I know? What? I don't know. I'm saying we're about to see one of the sources where they got that from. I see. It's, okay. It's coming from here. Yeah. Excellent. So it says, that being that the current condition that the person has could easily tr- transfer, uh, uh, 
don't know what the word is. It's not transform. It could uh, um, develop, develop. It could develop into a more serious medical condition, which would be life threatening. So we could already treat this condition as something which is dangerous. So right now, with their current condition, it's their, the current condition is not life-threatening. But since this current condition often develops into a secondary condition, which is life-threatening, we already look at the person as if their life is at risk. We don't wait till their life is actually at risk. We look at whether it's likely that they could be, they could find themselves in that category. And once the answer to that is yes, so then we try and be as proactive as we can. Even though we know that on the other hand, in the event that this initial condition does not develop into that secondary condition, this initial condition will be nothing. Person has a cough. So cough by itself is nothing. But if the cough could lead to pneumonia, pneumonia is something which is dangerous. So now, do I treat the cough today on Shabbos or on Yom Kippur or whatever for fear that maybe it'll develop into pneumonia? Or do I not? Because it may not go be anything more than a cough and it'll resolve and I'll be able to move on and I will have never have been in danger. So Moshe is saying, no, we don't play games. Being that if you don't recover from this cough, if it doesn't sort of resolve on its own, it could develop into a much more serious life-threatening condition, i.e. pneumonia. So So we already consider this cough to already be a dangerous condition for the person. And we're going to treat it on Shabbos in whatever way we need to go ahead and do it. And he says, as well known, and this is a, a amazing, it's a well-known story, but it's a, it's amazing when you uh, you know see it a little bit in context. He says it's well known the story of Rabbi Saul Salanter, the one who started the Musa movement. That during the time during this cholera epidemic, which existed at his time. And it was understood that one of the ways that one is going to protect themselves from the, uh, I guess, contracting it maybe, or even if they contracted it, it shouldn't be dangerous, is a person has to be well-nourished. Nourishment was considered to be a way to, uh, to, to stay safe. So Rabbi Saul Salanter got up on Yom Kippur in shul and told everybody, Lecho b'yom ha-kippurim ir. He didn't say that those people who are already sick could eat on Yom Kippur. He said, everybody in town, without exception, has to eat now on Yom Kippur. Mishum Because those who are malnourished, those who are starving, so they are more likely to contract the, uh, the condition. Even though in the moment, there are plenty of people who are protesting and saying, listen, I'm perfectly healthy now. I'm a young 35-year-old guy. I run marathons every other weekend. There's no, there's no risk to my life at all. I'm not afraid at all. Rabbi Saul said nothing to him. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to make sure to watch their health very carefully. Because if somebody gets cholera, so then that's life-threatening. And you never know what's going to happen. And he did this in order, it, it proactively. He did this so that they should not become sick. So if you could even eat on Yom Kippur so that you should not become sick with cholera. So certainly, Rav Moshe says, if you already have a condition which could potentially develop into another condition, which would be life-threatening, you certainly have to treat it right away.
Here now, Art, here he's a Rav Moshe speaking it out explicitly. He said, certainly it would be permitted to take a pill on Yom Kippur without water. And consuming a pill is considered to be it's not considered to be the normal way of eating. So it's not going to be an Isidaraisa. And it's not something which is really edible. Nobody gets hungry one night when they have the munchies and just grabs a handful of Tylenol or something or bare aspirin and decide, you know what, this is really going to, this will just hit the spot and I'll feel that much better. Uh, it's not a snack food. And being that, it's not the normal way of eating. And it's not something which is really fit to eat anyways even if it were to be tray, or even if it were to be chametz, like on Pesach. So at worst, it would be a drabanan. That even if we're dealing with a person who is somebody who is ill, but they're not even in bed. I'm sorry, they're, they're not even, it's not even a life-threatening illness. It's just something which affects their entire body or it's something which leaves them bedridden. So in such a case, it's certainly permitted to take that medication whether on Yom Kippur, whether on Shabbos, whether on Pesach. Aval, But Rav Osha says that in this condition, where if the person needed water in order to get the pill down, so then they'd even be allowed to take water. So mattering the pill, Rav Moshe says, easy shmeezy. You don't even need to be the gadol ador to matter taking this pill without, uh, without water. But in a case where the person has a known condition, which if left unattended to can develop into a much more serious condition, which is life-threatening. So not only are you allowed to take the pill, but you could even take that pill with water. Water certainly is also to drink on Yom Kippur. In the event that the person is not going to be able to swallow without water. One of the important life skills which everybody should develop is how to dry swallow a pill. It's an important thing to uh, to do because it comes up off, off, often enough. But in the event that a person has not yet developed that skill of being able to dry swallow a pill, so Moshe says, if you need to get that pill down in order to make sure that a person won't be in danger later on today or tomorrow, so again, we don't play games with a person's health and well-being, and we would allow you to take the medication, we would allow you to uh, to drink water to get the medication down, and we'd allow you to call a doctor, to call Hatzala, to do whatever you need to, to do in order to make sure that a person's uh, uh, health and well-being is being properly attended to by medical professionals. Okay? Give out. So this is uh, what we have for uh, for tonight, and uh, where did I go? so. Um...